0: no
1: chance what's up everybody episode 59 of the no chance podcast as always your host Ryan and Nate. I had a little hesitation yeah, there. I thought, I thought you were gonna come in like super hard, like super energetic, you know? No. Well, welcome guys. Welcome to the uh welcome to the podcast. If it's your first time, as you may or may not know, this is the number one streetwear podcast on or in the world. I was gonna say on the web, but on the web is in the world as well. Both. Yeah. Worldwide web. Um so welcome. I mean, we talk about streetwear, we talk about everything. Today we're actually gonna be talking about Something really ridiculous. But before I get into that, for those that have been following us for a long time, man, we have our first event on November 23rd. I botched the hell out of it last ep- last episode, so I had to edit it. But it is November 23rd, Black Friday at Bar Fluxus in San Francisco, California. So if you are a San Francisco native, you live in the west, the West Coast, man, come out and support, man. Like, please like come out and support we got nate on the merch man it's it's gonna be a party it's gonna be an event you're, got, you're not gonna want to miss it
0: yeah we got friends djing we got all kinds of other stuff going on yeah so. i want come it
1: to through. be a, a platform for like all our creative homies or just people who are trying to not no longer work a regular nine-to-five job to use this as a platform as like a, a, a jumping off point to be like hey i started here and then, you know, it is what it is afterwards. You know, you, you make the best of whatever opportunity it's, that's presented at the time. So definitely come out. It's going to be fucking
0: late. Watch there's
1: like five people there. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a safe zone, guys. You bring your creative ideas, you know. We may roast you, we may not, but man, come out, come say hi. Hopefully we get one person. I just want one person that listens to this podcast that, that may not be associated with any of our friends or anybody in San Francisco, but to come up to us and say, I listened to the podcast and I came because of you guys. That would be so sick, That actually. would be so sick. Just one person. One person. Yeah. I, don't, I don't wanna know you. I don't wanna know a friend of yours. I, wanna, I, don't, I just want you to be a complete stranger. And yes. I feel like that'd be super, that would be totally worth it. Yeah, I think For so. whatever money we put into it, that'd be totally worth it. An undisclosed amount. Undisclosed amount. We're not going to say how much we're putting in this podcast, but it's been a lot. Yeah. So uh, actually, can I ask you a quick question? <laughs> yeah, and this is really, really funny um, because I came across it early this morning when I woke up and I don't tend to come across a lot of very shocking things in the world of streetwear streetwear and high fashion. but. I don't know if you happen to come across it. It's um, Fendi re- released a. Um, sorry, ladies, if I'm pronouncing this wrong. I don't know where this is personally, but it's a a, a vulva scarf. Yeah, and and th- this is part of the um, the female reproductive system, correct? Yeah, this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you don't not... know, um, and I'm I'm sure you've come across it by now, Fendi is releasing a one thousand dollar scarf that looks like a vulva that is part of the woman's vagina if you don't know that the vagina is actually the interior and then the vulva is the exterior ah. so
0: see this is why we need sex education and this our, is correct uh, this is correct in our public
1: school system yes, this is um th- you know <laughs> i actually took it back in the day so i'm i'm very knowledgeable of the female reproductive system <laughs> <laughs> but when i saw this i knew exactly what it was and i immediately shook my head and was like who the fuck is the one that designed this? Because I don't... As, what is the point? It's
0: very... uh, has very copious <laughs> amounts of... uh. There's hair. hair there's like a bead a thing.
1: It's like... I think your that head... That bead thing is called the clitoris in case nobody... Well, when you wear the scarf, what is your head? Your head is now the... You know... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're like... You're
0: like a baby like being born oh that's gross that's gross you know like you're crowning
1: (laughs) wow that's a terrible the the imagery of that is (laughs) ridiculous um quick question and you you got to tell me sure we always talk about like the sort of uh, we talk about the the current age of street with the current age of fashion cultural culture in general and like everything that's been going on right we talk about a lot of politics sometimes we talk about a lot of cultural movements, me too time's up all these things right a lot of women empowerment stuff you know the the slut walk was recently i don't know if you know that but it was, is that an annual thing that now? is an annual thing that's amber roses right? yeah. yeah could this Volva fendi scarf be in any way tied to this new women's empowerment movement to you know okay. is this like
0: an ode to that first of all i had no idea we we're gonna to be touching upon this no pun <laughs> intended no pun intended for so long because you talking about the scarf or are you talking I, about this topic no nah, the topic because i thought we discuss a completely different topic when we were, <laughs> when we were thinking what to talk about, about the today. scarf
1: I'm talking about the scarf all right man let's uh, keep it to the scarf keep it to the scarf <laughs> all right uh what was the question is it part of this new uh yeah you think like thing? it's i mean it's a it's a totally i'm totally fine with the scarf but for people in fendi like this may be kind of a this might be kind of ridiculous you think this is reaching like for this like this new age of like let's try to do some ridiculous shit like is, is i feel like this is just out of pocket i mean i think there's other
0: ways of Doing it, you know. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to tiptoe around these uh, these puns, but um, yeah. See, we're looking at it right now. The thing is, it looks ridiculous. Speaking like, of
1: which, the 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 caption or the title of this article. I don't know what news news publication this is, but it says, "Fendi's new vulva scarf is reminding everyone of the time they were born." Okay, first of all, unnecessary. That's, that's
0: incorrect because no one remembers when they were born. This is true. This is a fact. This Look is it a, this up. is true. Okay. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know, man.
1: <laughs> Should we just Let's, let's change, gear. let's change gears. Chief. Let's change gears. Let's change gears. This is making me not uncomfortable, but I just think like it's a little it's a little far-reaching uh for my personal taste. Now, if my girlfriend wants it for Christmas, then you got, I'm going to have to buy it. I'm gonna have to buy it. Sure, man. <laughs> sure. Let me ask you a quick question because I was uh, I was coming across this um, in an article recently, and it got me it got me questioning. You know, um, what is the fascination with streetwear brands or just pop culture pop culture in general with that of Chinatown?
0: I, I know we've been seeing that a lot lately. Obviously, yeah. Like I mean, there's a whole brand, brand called Chinatown, Chinatown market. market. Yeah, I think streetwear's obsession with China Chinatown kind of goes back to essentially like its roots like us living here in San Francisco like having one of the biggest Chinatowns like in if not the biggest in the US uh you know if you just walk through Chinatown you kind of it's a it it feels completely different from the rest of the city it yeah. has a totally different vibe and i think it has a lot to do with sort of that i don't want to say gritty because that sounds kind of demeaning but it's almost like that DIY that sort of you know i have to get my hustle on to make it out of like chinatown or like to you know yeah basically that it's like that whole diy aspect of it you know you see like when you walk through chinatown you see like all sorts of vendors selling you know everything 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 under the sun trying to make a buck um you see people i mean you see bootlegs of course of course all the time and that's just you know that's just people trying to make it people trying to live people trying to you know do their thing get yeah. their hustle on. i that's- think
1: when when certain groups have like synonymous characteristics in regards to like we relate to each other we tend to gravitate to each other the more that we relate to other people obviously i mean that's just human interaction so as a as a niche as niche as streetwear was back in the day and even even now we tend to we tend to look towards the things that surround us, right? Like streetwear, that's um, non-suburban, that's inner city, right? Every city, in some way, shape, or form, has a block, a, um, a a mile and a half radius of Chinese culture, right? Chinatown is, I know the largest is is I think it is in San Francisco. There's a larger one in New York. There's Los Angeles. There, all in the metropolitan areas there's a there's some sort of Chinatown and if you are and we, we, if we go back in time to the days where streetwear sort of originated and you look back at like i mean the power of the dollar within the streetwear community wasn't very high even with kids that started those streetwear companies they didn't really have a dime to spend so what do you what do you do when you're when you're broke and you, you don't have much money you go to the greasy Chinese food restaurant down the street, the Chinese food restaurant that se- sells burgers and pizza and everything else—you know—the dude,
0: those are some of the best spots. I'm not gonna lie, no, like-
1: they they really are. And and you, if if anybody can think back to their early teens of like, you know, not having a dollar and maybe not having that fast food next to you, maybe you live, grew up in in, in the inner city, you know what what Chinatown or even Chinese culture means to you in in a very weird way. It 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 influences us. Or even
0: just like a similar community to it, you know? I think that's another part of it too is the community aspect because Chinatown's a very like tight knit Mm -hmm. community. Obviously like it's very densely populated being in the inner city, you know? Um, but that's just kinda like the other side of the coin to it, you know, people and streetwear gravitates towards it because streetwear is very community based and Chinatown is such a close-knit community yeah yeah and I
1: think it's a good uh, a good segue into the topic of today's episode in and what we wanted to cover and not vulva scarves no no, definitely not it was a awful way of starting off the episode but I think what we've done in the past is is we've tried to relate streetwear ideology to that of other cultures so how other people cultures perceive our streetwear community and how we perceive anything that contributes to our streetwear community so if you if you've been following us for a long time an earlier episode we covered the influences of japan on our streetwear and how they're currently still living what it's like to be in today's 2005 from what it seems yeah and doing it well doing it amazingly well so we decided to take it on I mean, on our behalf in discussing what it is about Chinese culture today that provides such an influence for ourselves, streetwear, pop culture. And even if you look into what they're doing right now, like they have some of the the biggest platforms for streetwear, which is what we're going to touch on in a bit. But let's get into the this like iconography of what Chinatown is or like what Chinese culture is and why that's so, why is that so popular now? We see it on Chinatown market, literally a brand that dedicates itself to, you know, I wouldn't call it fast streetwear, but more of like reactive streetwear, which is like a trend comes up. Um, this pop culture moment happens. Let's create an, a piece for that. Let's, let's touch on whatever it is that the kids like right now and let's get it to them immediately. Um, but one of their first designs was actually that of, like, the smiley face logo, right? The, yeah. I forget who designed that originally, but um, super, super back in the day. But that smiley face logo is very synonymous with your, like, thank you, have a nice day. Um, plastic bags you get from the liquor store. Um, even, like, the thank you from, like, um, like the fortune cookies and, like, the the takeout boxes. Like, all that symbolism is everywhere nowadays yeah and that really speaks to like the influences of like oh it's i, I want to say like inner city um inner city influences of just like growing up but like what do you think like why do we attach ourselves to that those specific things like the smiley face the 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 the, the chinese like uh caricatures you know
0: i think it's it's definitely you know i think it goes hand in hand with both being of course part of like Chinese American culture but just a quintessential like American culture in general you know like I'm sure everybody has a memory of you know if if you grew up in a metro- metropolitan city and you've ever been to like a Chinatown before it almost feels like you're in a different place yeah you don't feel like for instance like here in San Francisco when you go to Chinatown you don't feel like you're in San Francisco you feel like you've been transported like somewhere else and I think it's that sort of feeling, that sort of sentiment that people really gravitate towards because, like I said before, it's it's such a tight knit community and they're so focused on like preserving their their culture that it almost feels like you're somewhere else. So
1: I've seen uh, in an article that I read sort of like um, that sort of captures this this moment for 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 Chinatown heritage is that a brand brand directly ripped off that of like their favorite chinese food restaurant right and like graphic for graphic took it and put it onto their apparel or merch or whatever and then somebody came back to or somebody had recognized that actual look of their of the the place so they went back to the chinese food restaurant was like hey like did you guys do this like this is really cool did you guys do this and they had no idea they had no idea that their brand their their graphic, whatever they had for themselves as a independent Chinese food restaurant was being used and being sold for what could potentially be like hundreds of thousands of dollars um, on merchandise. Like, let's talk about that side. Like we are not us personally, but people in streetwear are taking pieces from this community. And I don't ever see any like Giving back like, to back. that, you know what yeah. I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a weird way of of saying that it's like an appropriation. Yeah. But I think everybody does that to a sense with other cultures. But since this fad or this 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 way of doing graphics is such a big thing now, like, what does this mean for 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 this culture? Is it just like, oh, let's just like until the trend's over, like let's just keep going and yeah. let's just take it as much as we can, like. What do we do? What do we do at this at that point, or what do they do at that point? I think
0: it's a really like tricky situation whenever you talk about appropriation, because obviously there's always it's always like a double-edged sword. There's always two sides of it. Um, I think that just like the sort of symbols that you see in Chinatown, the sort of icons that you see in Chinatown, or just that are associated with like a Chinatown, you know, like they're very, like I said, they're very quintessential. There is much part of American culture. Like I said, as, uh, as much as they are part of like of Chinese culture. Um, so I, I think in that sense, a lot of people have memory, like i mentioned earlier, a lot of people have memories associated with these icons, with these symbols. Um, and to them, you know, it may not be about just cashing out on something that's trendy right now. It may be, sort of taking that iconography, taking that symbolism and applying it to something that they're creating, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's all about intention and that's, that's something that's so hard to measure because anyone can say that their intention is good. Uh, so when you're talking about appropriation, unless it's like super
1: far reaching. Of course. Like, yeah. And I don't believe it's appropriation personally. And I think when things are magnified in that sense where you see, a, a specific culture who's banking off of a culture that's not necessarily, you know, flourishing in in the way that they want to. It's always going to be seen as appropriation. You know, everybody wants their just due. But if you really go back to, to 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 like the Wu Tang Clan and looking at how they appropriated Chinese culture and kung fu films and all that other shit, they're literally all named after like some sort of like Chinese character caricature in the some of these kung fu movies like that would be like the a a prime example of like um appropriation you know what i mean but i
0: don't don't think so like i think that's that's different because i mean rizza like eh, he has like a really deep appreciation for like chinese culture and he actually you know he actually no yeah yeah, went over there and like experienced it firsthand. i would
1: say no i would say the larger the larger population would assume like, Oh, you guys have never given back, you know, that's what I would feel like they would be doing. But I think, um, like Mike Sherman of Chinatown market gives this gives a good statement and saying like, you know, he received a lot of backlash for naming his brand Chinatown market. But he says that as long as you know, like what you're doing is, isn't in any sort of malice. It isn't sort of harming that of another culture. And you're just sort of like, um, like uh, I guess I, I I don't know how to say it, but but oding to them in, in the sense of like representing things that you know they have made popular and what they're known for as long as the you're you're uh, uh, I guess paying homage homage yeah. yeah if if you know what you're doing is right then there's no need to feel as if you're doing otherwise. yeah
0: and I think the case with the Chinatown Market is like yeah of course they're gonna receive some backlash for being called Chinatown Market because you know. Obviously people may or may not be offended by that, but you know, like it's 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 about I think what I think is that it's about appreciating again that DIY spirit yeah. of like Chinatown, people who live and work in Chinatown and like have their own business and like that whole again, that DIY aspect that DIY aspect, excuse me, um and sort of taking something, even though it may not be yours yeah. and you know trying to make a buck off of it because you know that's all that's all you got and it's
1: really no different from like the things that mean you see on a day-to-day basis you know like there's a lot of iconography out there that we've manipulated or or turn into our own like like um like some of our favorite logos the mercedes-benz logo the ferrari logo like like we've redone those in certain ways and like if you're seeing the smiley face on a day-to-day basis every time you go to the store or they the uh the takeout food with the chopsticks in it and you see that on a day-to-day basis then it's some some people wouldn't even consider it being a part of a culture it's just part of your day-to-day life and um i think that that's what a lot of people use that that purpose for but there's also a lot of brands nowadays that will use it because that is what's currently in rather than it being a part or an essential to who they are as a brand which is tricky
0: yeah i think so too i think of course like you have brands like a you have stores like a paxon or like whatever they are just gonna slap on whatever symbols whatever icon whatever graphic um that's popping right now and just throw that on a t-shirt and call it a day i mean i'm sure they don't you know when they're designing shit they don't care about anything cuz that's what's that, this is what's in exactly exactly, exactly.
1: and w- the reason why this is so this is such a, a, a new thing is because you know for for a very long time in china street work wasn't really a thing and i and i, I say wasn't a, a a thing fairly fairly soon because i guess they had this whole thing against hip hop being this anti-establishment thing that just wasn't allowed into china Right. And and with more acceptance of that and pop culture being widely spread out through the entire world, you know, other countries have to assimilate to that at some point. So with China, as of fairly recently, getting into hip hop means getting into streetwear. It's a weird correlation, but it's kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, hand, yeah, they go hand in you hand, you know. For sure. So China just recently got involved in streetwear. And I don't mean recently, like within the past two years, but I mean, like. Uh, mid-2000s when streetwear was at its peak is like when China just started to get into like, okay, like these are the brands, like let's get stores out here and, and you know, all that jazz. So the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this is because this Chinatown market, this this chi- Chinese iconography is becoming a thing now because, you know, it's being highly reflective in that of Chinese culture being more accepting of streetwear. It, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. They influence us, we influence them. And it's like a pretty good trade-off in this sense.
0: Yeah, it like we said with, or like we looked at in the episode about Japan and the U.S. It's kind of a back and forth. Same thing with like China and like other Asian countries. You know, they get ideas from us. We exchange ideas with them. Um, it's it's just overall like it, in in exchange. So if we look at China, you know, historically from like a geopolitical lens nice, nice that was good <laughs> um i mean in case you didn't know china's like was and still is like a communist country so therefore they didn't have access to a lot of the things that we have here in the u.s uh, i mean it's it's becoming more and more more open now but you know streetwear wasn't a thing in the 80s in china like not at all in the 80s and 90s in china like hip-hop isn't wasn't a thing out there um and I I think now with China being more open to, just like American like ideas, American values, like things that we, uh, hold near and dear to us, like things like pop culture. Uh, obviously we're gonna see like an influx of streetwear
1: there, and everything that goes hand in hand with streetwear. So especially if they have some of their most like famous pop stars and celebrities that are now into streetwear yeah and then coming back to China and their fans seeing them and like what are they wearing, then obviously those brands are I mean, it's just gonna flock right over there. You know what's crazy
0: about that is I noticed that too. At work a lot of the times we'll have like a certain colorway of something that sells out. And then when you ask the customer like, oh, why is this so popular right now? There's they'll say like, oh, so and so was wearing it like last week so like everybody has to have it now it's kind of like it's it's the exact same thing here in the u.s you see somebody you see travis scott wearing like a pair of whatever you know whatever it is like nike sbs and then
1: now all of a sudden it's the new it thing you know it's it's ridiculous and and that's how fast everything is moving which is which is really good if you're obviously the brand and we talked a lot about brands in the last episode but in regards to china it 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 introduces a whole entire community to something brand new. They may not know that it's streetwear, and they may not know the history or the essence of what this is, but they know that this is a brand that looks cool. And sometimes that's all that really matters to a lot of us. So especially within China, and we have to put this into perspective, is that the population in China far surpasses most uh, in the entire world. And if you think about the buying power that they have and the amount of people that they have per capita within that country, you'd be fucking blown away. And they have more like more people than that of the United States, etc. And then on top of that, they are the largest manufacturer of goods in the world. Like manufacturers of people and of goods. People and of goods. Exactly. But what what really surprises me is that there's always been this stigma towards China within streetwear very early on, but always being known as the people that sold fakes. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a hard stigma to get away from because obviously everything is made in China for the most part, so you're always going to get that. But I think there's this natural progression with that of China to start to show more of a, of a personality and and starting to become like the cultural like, yeah, that epicenter for culture. Yeah, so especially like, like in Asia. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you see Japan, obviously cultural influencers by just i mean if you just look at pictures you know what i mean look at how they look yeah. look at how they dress like go on the internet it's crazy and yeah. and people all over the world take influence from them have you ever seen korea's fashion week
0: oh yeah crazy
1: insane yeah, they're on a whole different way a whole nother like, level whole different. yeah crazy it's it's pretty ridiculous but yeah. you can see like people are really grasping onto what streetwear is now and like i've never seen so much creativity through like this outlet of like dressing It's 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 almost refreshing because it's
0: like we see the same cycle over and over again in the u.s but it's still so new in china and like other countries in asia that it's like their perception of streetwear hasn't been tainted if you will by like you know like the huge amounts of like just it hasn't been commercialized as much as here in the u.s you know yeah because it's there it's still so brand new that people are experiencing it for the first time and they're still kind of like you know trying to find their way
1: and that's a good point because now like i said it's like a a um reciprocal like we take from them they take from us and we're constantly being influenced by people who think about it like this think about waking up one day and having no knowledge of streetwear, and seeing somebody wearing something and obviously it entices you and you wearing it in a completely different way. Like you, you, you never been on Instagram. You don't know what other people look like with this clothing on and you put it on for the first time. Like imagine how like liberating that must feel. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly
0: what I'm saying. Like, okay. If I don't, they don't have, I don't think they have social media in China. Nothing crazy. Not, yeah, not, of not, like, yeah. social, not the mainstream forms of social media, like Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. I don't think, um, I don't even think they have Google out there. I don't think so That's either. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Damn, how do they look up like random facts? They then? just read a book? Like how to what's what's like a ridiculous like how to? What's the most like ridiculous how to you've ever looked up? Uh,
1: maybe how to knit a scarf or something. I don't <laughs> know. I think I've looked that up once or twice. <laughs> okay. But I think that's I mean that yeah, could be a thing. You
0: know, but I'm saying like it's 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 like I said it's refreshing because people out there are experiencing it for the first time and it's what they put together is sometimes so different from what we see here so in lazy. the u.s that it's like it's great like i miss that sort of that sort of stuff that's out there I'm like oh shit i've never seen this before
1: because yeah. you rarely you rarely get that these days you know this is true and social media at least in in my case is it it does limit your your scope on what is possible yeah yo shout out to ios 12 with that screen time update with the did i do update yeah yeah i yeah, did yeah it tells you how much you've been on there yep i set it for 11 o'clock pm and i still have to hit like give me 15 more minutes (laughs) give me 15 more minutes (laughs) because i'm not done (laughs) but i think i think it's amazing and like i said like the scope is narrowed so much that you that's why we can say to each other dude this is the same shit as whatever this is the same shit how innovative can nike get with certain models without reaching out to people that are experiencing different cultures. Like you would think that there's a there's like people that will go to China, or go to Korea and be like, "Okay, let me study these people." Yeah. You know, let me see what they're doing with our with our product and let me bring that back to the table and and you know, release these crazy items or whatever.
0: It's almost it's almost paradoxical if you think about it because the scope is so big, but at the same time it's it narrows like our vision because it's like we see everything that's out there already. So that we're like, what else is there really to see? You know? Exactly,
1: and I think, like I said last episode, it's analysis paralysis, especially in the sense of like what we can do within our sphere of like influence. Now it's like, oh well, I, I mean, I only know these people. I, I unless I do more research, which I'm too lazy to do, then I'm kind of limited to what it is that is possible, and I'm not able to think outside that box. But I think. Um, in regards to China, and one of the reasons why I decided to to we decided to cover this is because yes, there is this natural progression to be more inclusive within the world of streetwear. And I wanted to talk about this 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 platform, um, if you want to call it that, called Yoho. And Yoho is a platform uh, that was founded in 2005 that if you you know, you want to compare it to something, you know, I would treat it as like a hype beast. It's a all-inclusive platform for really the the millennial chinese youth uh, to shop and and learn and read editorials and and learn about what their 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 favorite chinese superstars are doing in the world of fashion and, and streetwear and it's giving them their first glance into what it is that we've been doing for years right so i compare it to that of a of a hype beast because this has other subsidiaries within the yoho empire so you have like um you have an e-commerce site for yoho you have um like this brand incubator that you know takes new brands and and you know builds them up with like brand identity and all these things you have retail stores for yoho you have
0: shit like don't they have like a music festival too
1: yeah a music festival called Yohood, which is kind of cool that's kind of sick um boys and girls apparel lines called yoho boy and yoho girl like you have literally everything. Obviously, this is where Hypebeast should be. In. They should be in this space of like fully like maximizing their, their capabilities and having something for everybody. I mean, they just brought on Hype Bay. What was that, like two years ago, a year and a half ago or yeah. something like that? But basically, um, this platform called Yoho is super in right now. I would say it's like the leading um, cultural... Influencer out in in China, almost like yeah, like a hype beast complex, etc. And just fairly recently, uh, a investment firm called C Ventures decided to invest millions of dollars in this platform, and with the with the hopes of it spreading into influencing more millennials as it goes within China. Right? Yeah,
0: I think hype beast a hype beast esque platform is. You know the perfect way to go about it especially since china and you know other asian countries are still such like a right market for mm-hmm. streetwear and like we always talk about streetwear is such a quintessential part of pop culture now like pop culture at large that it's almost crazy it's it's a really smart to invest in streetwear and street related things and be ahead of the curve before you know five ten years later it's I mean, it is mainstream now, but before it becomes even more mainstream, if that makes sense. And this is
1: following that of watching the Carlisle group invest in Supreme. So everybody's starting to understand that it may not be streetwear that they're investing in, but they're investing in that of what the millennial group, the kids that have buying power, what they're interested in. And that happens to be streetwear. So it kind of coincides with each other. And if you see that of what Yoho is doing, they are the hype beast the 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 complex for the chinese youth especially the chinese millennial youth those consumers that have all the money so within that it's it's important right because hype I mean, you have a a company like hype beast or complex and regardless of if they post content in or, or if people in china or japan follow the content that hype beast and uh, complex post it's not it's not geo it's not geo targeted towards them yeah so there may be articles that refer to all these new york and los angeles releases and 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 everything that virgil's doing in america and all these pop-ups but that of the chinese uh community is completely left out yeah i mean
0: i think like i said china has such like a burgeoning like streetwear culture that it and obviously like they have a huge population so they need something that's that's specific to them and to their own demographic because like you said a hype beast even like a high snobiety or whatever like it doesn't yeah it's a global publication but it do, it's not as far reaching as you might think like what what is a person living in like china or hong kong gonna do with like, oh, this is releasing in New York, like, next week at Kith, Soho. Like, great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, what does the, that mean for and me? The,
1: and the nuances aren't always the same across different cultures. Exactly. You know what I exactly. mean? Like, I'm not, I mean, you may understand that of, like, maybe people in New York or Los Angeles understand, but yeah. somebody in China is going to be like, like, if they say a shoe dropped, it's like, oh, no, it dropped, like, it's gone. Like, I'm never going to, you know what I yeah. mean? I'm never going to get it get, get it again. But it's that understanding that it's, it's great to see that of, uh a Chinese uh, platform to really invest or not invest in itself, but have others invest it in them to see the power of what this can do. Because if you, inf- if you're able to influence that of the, I guess they're called the Gen Z kids nowadays, sure. right? They Generation come up with Z, like a new name yeah. like every week. The Gen Z, G- Gen Z consumers, the millennials, whatever. If you're able to invest in them and, 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 you know, impact what it is that they're interested in, then there's so much more that you can build around them in very subtle ways, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think China's like streetwear culture is so specific to them. I it's similar to ours in that, of course, like streetwear is a very like American sort of thing. But I think, you know, obviously like depending on your geographic location, you're gonna look at streetwear through a different lens even here in the united states like you go to la and they look at streetwear totally differently from here in sf SF. and you go to new york and it's a totally different thing uh it's still streetwear but you're looking at it through a different perspective and that's why i think yoho is such like a great platform god we should be sponsored by that we're not. this is not a paid ad yo (laughs) send cut us a check Yoho. (laughs) you got 25 mil to burn (laughs) uh but you know like I think it's it's really important for them to have their own platform because streetwear is so specific to the region that you're in and to like, uh, you know the sort of culture that's embracing it. That's so. true.
1: I, I like the the thing you said about streetwear is very particular, or very, um, like location sensitive with for, with within the with, within regards to certain things, right? Yeah. Like we wear things different ways and New Yorkers wear things, and um like for example we don't wear fitted caps in in san francisco and like they do in new york and that's just a thing we're not wearing tims like year-round exactly supreme tims we don't wear those um so yeah it is a common understanding of like we understand streetwear we understand releases and all this other stuff but in regards to how we apply that and how we relate to it, it could be totally different from that of other people in other countries especially in china like I've been to China. I would, uh, and I wouldn't consider. Have you really? I wouldn't consider Hong Kong to be China. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah, I've and Hong I've, I've, I've um, asked this question to a lot of native Chinese people who've lived in China, born in China, and they always consider Hong Kong to be like, oh, that's the like Americanized China, basically that of being, um, what do you call that? It's it was taken over, like a colony, colonized like a, like a very, China, like, yeah. right? So um, I went there and i actually i think if i'm remembering this correctly i think i went to the off-white store there and was blown away by like obviously how nice this store was and you got to think like virgil opens his off-white stores in very obscure locations i think he just opened one recently in like mykonos in greece greece yeah so it was like super random but i think he has a general idea of like what he's doing because i it's, it's wherever the money is and it, wherever like the fashion sense. I think like when it comes to having money, fashion sense, or maybe not fashion sense, but having fashion. Fashionable things is like very very close by. Okay, first of all, Greece has no money; they're bankrupt. Really? So. Yeah, did not know that? Do why you watch the so, news at all? Why is it do so luxurious? The world. I do. I'm paying attention to China. <laughs> is it that luxurious of a place? What Greece? Yeah.
0: No. Why they does had it seem like, like, a like a financial crisis like a few Polish years ago? Man, shit. come on! Do you not? I don't keep, know. Do you so not
1: read the Wall Street Journal? Sometimes I don't believe when like superstars go bankrupt. When they say like, oh, I'm bankrupt, I have no money. Sometimes that means a whole different different thing. They have a whole different agenda applied to it. But anyways, going to Hong Kong and seeing off-white and seeing people interact with half-white is very much similar to that of when we see that of the Chinese um, uh, visitors that come to San Francisco. Like we get a lot of international people that come here either from school or from just visiting. And we see how the way they wear things. And sometimes it blows my mind to see somebody Wear you know, over six thousand dollars worth of clothing on their back because this is how they do it in China. And that's the one thing that that always trips me out is like being around a lot of international foreigners that come to San Francisco, the way that they wear streetwear is so different than how we do it. and it 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 like makes me nervous because I could me personally, I couldn't wear like, seven thousand dollars worth of clothing and walk around and feel okay about it yeah and that's you know a light I mean? day yeah <laughs> right like ah man it's ridiculous but um i guess like to our larger point man like culture is it's it's all over the place and, and it and even though we may have similar interests within something that's considered to be quite niche uh, at least for our community it's it's interpretive it's interpreted. It, In a lot of different ways. And I think it's really cool that, you know, we're able to touch on something that of China now because there wasn't much on them in, you know, in the the wider streetwear news, which is my favorite search on Google. (laughs) Wider streetwear news. Wider streetwear news.
0: Now, um, and, you know, that's because China is such a, it's still such a new market for streetwear. And we're just, it's just the very beginning of what pop culture is doing in China and what streetwear culture is like in like how it's making such a big impact in China. And it'll be interesting to see what it's like, like five, 10 years down the road and see what kinds of stuff they're coming out with, whether that's their own or whether they're like taking our ideas and putting their own spin on it. You know, it'll just be,
1: you know, it'll be interesting.
0: It's kind of like that of Japan, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what what they'll do. Like Japan doing the whole 2005 thing. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, you know, and I think
1: this is a good opportunity, right? Like us to be able to follow that, you know, trans trans or uh, progression for them in the next coming years. And also a lot of great shit comes out from these international companies in regards to streetwear, their interpretation of what streetwear should look like from their scope. It's amazing. You see like the undercovers, the Bape. you see things in Korea, like this is never that that's a great brand, by the way, it, within South Korea, like the way they interpret things and what they're into produces some of the most cutting edge streetwear and I'm super excited to hopefully see Chinese brands in the future. I mean, I don't know any at the moment. Um a lot of them still make bootleg goods, but <laughs> it's okay. Um but I mean other than that, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes and hopefully they make some cool shit. Yeah. I um, agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that's kind of what we wanted to get to in this episode, man. Episode 59. I'm so tired. <laughs> me too. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's only two... Actually, I can't say that. I didn't do anything today. Yeah, you didn't do anything. <laughs> the day By the today. way, it's only two... It's Tuesday when we're recording. We traditionally record on Thursday, but Nate decided to give me a little bit more freedom with editing. So we're filming this on a Tuesday, so we're going to make this a great one. Um, before we end, be sure to follow us on all our social platforms, man, at No Chance Podcast. And remember... November 23rd, Black Friday, Black Friday, the day that you are searching for TVs, waiting in line for, you know, at Best Buy. When you're done with that and when you take a nap and after you eat Thanksgiving leftovers and you wake up at 8 p.m., you come out to Bar Flexus in San Francisco and celebrate with us. I don't know if it's like it's not a one year party, but it's it's more just like a it's an event. Yeah, it's an event. So make sure you come out, man. That is episode 59 of the No Chance Podcast. And we'll catch you next week. Later. Peace.